1: Well, Matthew, it's been a, uh, a fun couple of weeks here with the Olympics. Have you Have been watching? I know you have. I have. Uh, watched it with you a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We um, we saw Fink the other day pull out an incredible victory. Yeah, in swimming. In swimming. Yeah. Yeah, there's just been some... I mean, another thing we've noted is just the the broadness of how many sports they've been showing on, on TV. It's incredible. They're not just showing one... Sport—they're showing dozens. Yeah, they haven't—they
1: like. haven't shown the ping pong. We saw uh, kind oh, yeah, of a preview right. to doubles ping pong, which you and I both like ping pong. But uh, it's fast. And I've always watched the Olympics; it's always fun. Um, just interesting pulling for your country, and there's so many different athletes out there from different countries. So uh, that's right. It's been a lot of fun. And we got school starting back.
0: That's right, right. Yeah, a lot of teachers, teachers who are listening. Thank you for for what you do. And uh, I know that's a busy, very busy time. I know some people are going in on Saturdays even, and and getting their classrooms ready.
1: So. Yeah, teachers are, are very important to our society. So thank you, yeah. uh, for that for but. serving. That's that's difficult, and it's you know it looks like it's going to be another difficult school year with um, you know, COVID uh, kicking back up. A lot of uh, a lot of controversy there still going into the school year. So our you know hearts and uh, thank yous go out to the to people in the education system because it's not easy. That's it's right. not easy. Exactly. So, but uh, we we do have an interesting uh, show today. It's going to be a little different, um, Matthew. We. Uh, uh, you actually found this, and it's a, a very good discussion on money and can you buy happiness with it? And, mm. you know, we're obviously in the profession of, um, you know, helping people gain money and gain wealth, but, um, you know, it doesn't, money doesn't translate into happiness. And so this is a pretty long article, very, very, uh, Very good research that's been done. I would encourage you to listen through the whole thing. Um, It's just a lot of good information, and it kind of puts things in perspective.
0: Yeah, and I think it will um, even just frame it if you're struggling with uh, contentment, if you're struggling with uh, how to view money. Just
1: listening to this and even sharing this with people, um can be can be a big ad. Yeah, that's right. And so um, uh, I am John Travis. Um, I am a Dave Ramsey um, uh, coach, uh, counselor coach. Uh, I've been uh, helping people with planning for over 28 years. And um, I have an MBA in finance. And my name is Matthew. And I'm
0: a, also a financial planner here and have a certified financial planner designation.
1: Yep. And glad to have you today. And uh, we're excited to have you listening to the uh, the weekly show. We're on exclusively every week. <laughs> Uh, And the podcast comes out on Friday mornings, and you can uh, go to our website, moneymd.net or um, iTunes. We have a lot of folks that are listening through iTunes um, and listen to us. And, uh, you know, check out our website. It's moneymd.net. We have a lot of great resources out on the website, uh, a lot of information on colleges and degrees and so forth. And we also have a prescription of the week that's that's put out on Facebook. So if you go to MoneyMD, we'll have the prescription of the week up there as well. So we're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. That's right.
0: And so it's talking about going back to school. You know, we do have college students going back to school as well. Um, But this fact is 19% of Americans that have outstanding student loan debt from college are over the age of 50. Mm. It's 8.7 million borrowers out of almost 45 million total borrowers are over the age of 50. They still
1: have debt from yeah. student loans from college. Yeah, and we, we see that. I mean some of those people probably went back to school in their 30s and 40s, but there are some sure. people that went to, to school that, that had a lot of debt. I mean we see uh, lawyers and vets and, Dentist, and other and, doctors, and, yeah, that's yeah. right, that, that have you know debt for uh, decades. And uh, you know debt is a the student loan crisis is, is real and it really impacts people. And um, you know, if you have questions on how to save for college, we spend a lot of time with our clients on on how to do that, different strategies. There is a way to go to college and, and not have any debt coming out on the other side, but you know you have to be very intentional about it. So um, that's a great financial fact of the week. And we're going to, uh, actually, we're going to do the uh, question of the week, right? Yes. Because we only yes. have one article, so it's l- right. kind of a l- little different order here. But um, we get this question a lot, Matthew, when, when folks come in and uh, we're helping them going through the retirement planning process. And the question is, is, hey, I have life insurance, um, do I need it? Um, you know, when, when you go into retirement and, you know, there's a lot of different um, situations and possibilities. But in general, if you've saved well, and let's say you have a $500,000 life insurance policy and you have $800,000 in your IRA and you have no mortgage, then you could probably consider yourself self-insured.
0: Yeah. And I'd say just one, when you don't know the answer to something, understanding what definitions are inside the question are helpful. So just asking, well, what is life insurance? Life insurance is designed to replace the income for dependents and so one if you don't have dependents then likely you may not need life insurance so when you get into retirement if your kids are out of the house you may uh, not need it and then again if you have assets that are able to provide for your spouse if something were to happen to you or those who are still depending on you then you may not need life insurance yeah
1: maybe not maybe yeah i mean it depends on the situation most people we we, uh, we work with it it served a purpose and and it just you know they don't need it going into retirement but again it, you know we do run across cases that it, it does make sense to hold on to certain kinds of policies there's obviously when you get into whole life policies um there's some tax ramifications that you want to uh, make sure you understand before you just cancel those sure. but uh, it's a good question of the week and uh, we're going to transition now into the uh, the article this is from Time magazine from David uh, Futrell and um Really is a deep dive, Matt. This is a very long article, um, as we've been discussing, and we normally have two articles, but we decided to combine both of those into this one topic, because it really looks at the core um, issues of of money. And a lot of people think, you know, it can buy you happiness. And matter of fact, that was a clever advertising from Lexus a couple of years back. They said, whoever said money can't buy happiness isn't spending it right. So okay. it was a it was a marketing slogan. Sticker. That's right. And um, so how can you, you know, transform the money that you've worked hard for into something approaching you know, the good life? And, and you know that there must be some connection, right, between money and happiness. And if there weren't, you know, you'd be less likely to stay at work late um you know struggle to save and you know invest it profitably so we know there's a relationship but um so why aren't your you know your promotions when people get promotions mm-hmm. and they buy new new houses and they have you know large 401k's why isn't that cheering you up right yeah. i mean that's a fundamental question and we see people that have stuff that necessarily aren't happy because of that stuff and so the relationship between money and happiness it would appear is certainly much more complicated um, than most people think and, and fortunately there's a lot of uh, you know economists and psychologists um, that have banded together to sort out the how's and the whys of money and, and mood and so um, you know why is it that that more money you have the more that you want and that's one of the things that we see people want the more you make the more you're gonna buy so we also see you know when someone buys a car or a condo or cell phone, you get a, you know momentary joy but it doesn't last mm. and so these these temporary fleeting things in our world um, you know doesn't always translate into happiness
0: yeah and I'll, I'll say one other thing just as we're jumping in this article there is a difference between happiness and joy happiness is is completely dependent on your circumstances joy is a settled state of satisfaction is another way to put it so we're we're looking at the comparison between what things can get you from a happiness standpoint, but we're really going to be diving down to the root of okay, what does it look like to be joyful, even when you don't have that new Amazon purchase, that new car? Yeah, what does that look like? They teach
1: you that in business school, or <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs>
0: um, so yes, yeah, so and in, in, in with all of these questions that the economists have have you know tried to answer, um, you know there are some new research. We have some new insights that are um, that are positive. Money can help you find more happiness, so long as you know what you can and cannot expect from it. And this yep. is massive. This is not looking to money for your satisfaction, not looking to money for your relationship status or anything. It is it is using money as a tool that is able to purchase what you value in this world. And that that is really the purpose of money. And if you understand that, it can go a long way in helping delineate between joy and happiness.
1: Yeah. And the new science of, of happiness starts with a simple insight. And, um, you know, we're, we're never satisfied with stuff. I mean, we always think that if we had just a little bit more money, we'd be happier. Um, and this comes from a, a psychology professor at a college. Um, but when we get there, most of the time, we're not happy, yeah. even when you hit that next that next rung that you're trying for. So indeed, the more you make, the, the more you want. And the more you have, the less effective it is at bringing you joy. So uh, that seeming paradox um, has long bedeviled economists. And and once you really, if you think about it, once you get to the basic human need, needs are met. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a lot more money doesn't make a lot more happiness. That's what the studies show. And uh, some research shows that you know, going from earning less than like twenty thousand dollars up to fifty thousand dollars. Um, is certainly going to make you happier, but when you when you surpass the ninety thousand dollar level, that happiness is is slight. It's not um, it's not a tremendous jump, yeah. um, because when you go from twenty to fifty, you're able to live. You're able to to pay for the basic needs of of, um, of living, and uh, and while the rich are happier than the poor, um, in some cases, uh, not all cases, the enormous rise in living standards over the past fifty years really hasn't made americans happier and there's there's really three reasons for this yeah and and uh, you know underneath that we
0: overestimate how much pleasure we'll get from having more humans are you know we're, we're adapting uh individuals and that helps us when we go through wars and pandemics and plagues but it also is the flip side when we have more and more stuff we get accustomed to more and more stuff so if you have a lot of clothes and you get one more shirt it is a less percentage of an increase mm-hmm. of that than if you had one shirt and you got another shirt. So there is a decreasing relationship between the amount of stuff you have and the increase of joy that yeah. that next product brings you. Yeah, And and really one, one interesting word is the hedonic treadmill. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, a hedonist is one who pursues their own pleasure. So it's really just this constant treadmill of trying to get more and more happiness out of these things that ultimately
1: end pretty quickly yeah <laughs> like a new car smell i mean how long does that last it just doesn't <laughs> I think about um I don't know why I, I just had lunch but uh, crab legs we've mm. gone to all you can eat crab legs just crab like, legs for lunch no I did not okay. I wish I did but you know all you can eat I mean when you eat the first crab leg the it's taste good, of it right? is it's right incredible and then when you get to the fifth or sixth one is is good but it's just not a good point not as satisfying so um, even though you know stuff seldom bring brings you the satisfaction you you expect you keep returning um, to the car dealership or whatever you're searching for more and. Let's say your your goal is to buy a certain type of car. Well, when that new car loses its ability to to you know, get you get you excited and happy and so forth, you start looking at the next car associated with it. So uh, and you'll be disappointed again. And um, well, we also see Matthew. This is important. More money can also lead to to more stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think more money is makes you happier, but there's a lot of stress in there. And the big salary. You may be pulling from a high-paying job, may not um, buy you as much in the way of happiness. Uh, you may have a bigger house, but uh, you know you may have a long commute. Um, That's right. You know the study after study confirms that you know you you um, if you love your job, um, you're willing to do the commute. But it makes you unhappy when you have to continue to drive. And uh, fortunately, in this area, it's not too bad. Um, but if you live in big cities, it's certainly more of an issue. So. Sure. Just because you have more money doesn't mean that you have more happiness. In a lot of cases, it's more stress.
0: Yeah, and another, so one of those other reasons why, just as we increase the standard of living in America, the the happiness is not, you know, from the studies increased, is comparison. We constantly compare ourselves with people. Um, there is H.L. Mencken, which I've I'm, I'm not heard of this gentleman, but he once quipped that the happy man is the one who earns $100 more than his wife's sister's husband. Mm-hmm. Really just saying comparing. Hey, if I'm doing better than this person, then I'm happy. And th- the problem with that is there is always going to be someone doing better than you. Yeah. So when you compare yourself, it is a it is a battle that you will never win. Um, and you know we don't typically compare ourselves with people like Jeff Bezos or yeah. people that are way out of our reach. We compare ourselves with people we see, which then it leads to relationship strife. It leads to um, you know, problems when you relate yourself to people because then you're just thinking about, man, am I doing better than them? Or are they doing better than me? So this
1: is a this is a dangerous road to go down that comparison trap. Yeah, and you know, comparing yourself to the guy next door. This this article goes on to say, you know, it's a deeply rooted human trait, um, and an, an inability to stay satisfied is arguably one of the key reasons that a prehistoric man moved out of the you know the drafty cave and and began building. Um, you know, civilization that we now inhabit. So, um, but you're not living in a cave and you likely don't have to worry about the survival, right. um, but you can't afford to, to step off this treadmill. And the question is, is, is how do you do it? And so um, we've got some suggestions here. If you, if you want to know how to use money um, it, and, you know, to make you happier, you really need to understand what it brings um, you happiness in the first place. Um, and that's where the newest research comes in. Yeah. And,
0: and so we're kind of transitioning the background of money, happiness, we're transitioning. Okay. What does that look like to have joy, to have this lasting happiness? And, you know, a really big study that we see are friends and family. And so people having those relationships, innumerable studies suggest that having friends matter a great deal. There was a very large study done by the, um, a research center up in Chicago they found that those with five or more close friends are 50% more likely to describe themselves as very happy uh, than those with smaller circles. Compared to, with the happiness-increasing powers of human connection, the power of money looks feeble. Um, so yeah, throw a party. Have friends over. Enjoy people. Enjoy families. Enjoy relationships. Spend time
1: with these people <clears throat> That is a that is a lasting way to have meaningful yeah uh, relationships. And we have a in 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 my office we have a dream board that you helped me kind of design and and set up. And the pictures up there from our clients right. are of family. That's exactly every right. single one of them. And and uh, we do see joyful people with with family and also friends is also a very important piece right. of that um, as well. And. Uh, This study went on to to look at even more important to your happiness is your relationship with your significant other and people in a happy, stable, uh, committed relationships tended to be far happier than those who were not. So among those that were surveyed from 1970 to 1990, some 40% of married couples so they were very happy among, um, the, the never married only about a quarter were, uh, quite so exuberant. So, you know, but there's a good reason. Obviously there's, there's different, um, you know, choices for each person out there. Divorce, uh, is, is, is very high in our society. It brings misery to everyone involved, um, and uh, those who stick it out in a terrible marriage are, are the unhappiest of, of everyone. So so certainly a healthy marriage is, is uh, helps to contribute, and it goes back to relationships, as mm-hmm. we, we talked about. Um, but also kids as well. The kids who, um, you know, it, the people that have kids, studies of kids and happiness have come up with, um, there's some conflicting data in there. But um, basically, if, you know, if you have kids, a lot of times parents, you don't know this, but we talk about you all the time. about me yeah you yeah you and danielle and and when we're with our home group uh we talk about kids and parents for that matter as well so it's it's really um around family Mm. yeah that's good um you know and again just an important truth of um that some of
0: these studies and this was done by um, university of colorado uh, when they asked students to compare the pleasure they got from the most recent things they bought with experiences um, and so, you know, one reason that experiences tend to have more lasting joy or happiness is because you get to recall them. You get to relive them versus having this thing that you purchased one time that's now degraded. Uh, we tend to remember the positive events that happened on a trip. We don't remember the cab drivers that gave us a hard time. We tend to remember, oh, wow, that was a beautiful sunset or that was a really pretty, um, you know, venue we went to. So it's more of the experiences, which again goes back to the relationships you're on those trips with people or if you're by yourself it's that alone time that you get uh, rather than purchasing a product um, so that's really that's another important aspect is is that experience and you know maybe even just a tidbit for christmas this year thinking about you know gifts for for kids gifts for family instead of focusing on the gifts maybe you have an experience maybe it's a sporting event you get to take your son to or daughter to if they really like that or, you know, thinking through, okay, what can we do to create these experiences that can have a lasting impact rather than just something that will be in the trash two months later?
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. And, and so when you spend money, um, sometimes you spend it on things. Sometimes you, you spend, uh, spend it on experiences, sometimes a combination of, of both. And they go on to kind of give an example, which I thought was good. It says a book that sits unread on a bookshelf as a thing but a book you plunge into with gusto savoring every plot and every twist is an experience. Mm. And like yeah, I, that's good. I just cleaned out my bookshelf and threw away a whole bunch <laughs> of books that I haven't read. Yeah. And those are things. That's um, right. so, you know, you know, people that are happiest and, and they go on is is they are they're best at wringing experiences out of everything oh, that they spend money on, whether it's dan- dancing lessons or hiking boots. And so applying yourself to something hard makes you happy. And, and uh, we're all, many of us are addicted to challenges and we're often far happier while working towards a goal than actually you know reaching it. So challenges certainly help you attain um, what um, some psychologists call a state of flow. And it's something that can help you um, to enjoy it more. So ex- the experience piece of this is important.
0: Yeah. And I would really <laughs> encourage you just to think through that. What does that look like for you to have that experience in everyday events? How can you have that mentality of, man, this is This is, you know, we're here on this day one, this one time. We don't get to go back. We don't have this multiple times. How can I uh, intentionally have joy in this process that I'm going through, even if it doesn't look like it's a joyful process in the time? An example of what you were mentioning just a minute ago of the the process is thinking about learning guitar. I'm actually learning guitar currently. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It
1: is not, I've heard you play. You're good.
0: You're improving. It is not something that you just pick up the first time. You're like, wow, this is very easy. My fingers don't hurt at all. It's like, man, this is a painful process, but the result, the fruit of this labor is it can be joyful. It can be a, a beautiful noise that comes out of this instrument. Um, so, yeah, when you, when you look at the activities we tend to enjoy in the short term, like watching TV, we, we see that that is a momentary happiness, which is like purchasing a product, but it is not a lasting joy like playing a, uh, you know, an instrument or having an experience. So, again, it's dividing that that temporary pleasure for that lasting joy. Yeah. That's really what this article is, is harping on.
1: Yeah. And it basically says you need to find activities that help you get in the, the state of flow. I mean, I think, you know, you, you really, I see you when you play the guitar, you're, you enjoy it. And um, so exceptionally happy people Seem to have a set of skills, um, and they are in the moment. I mean, I, the book, you know, example a minute ago about, you know, diving into it, and, and I know it's your sister, story. yeah, Danielle is she's a book reader. She yeah. loves books, and and she reads books multiple times. And I, I that's not my flow. I couldn't, I can't do that. Uh, guitar is not my my flow either. Mm-hmm. I have some other things that I certainly enjoy, but um, the temporary things, and we see that with with clients is you know, going and buying the next thing does not bring you happiness. It's focusing on the experiences, you know, the family, the relationships. That really is what brings people happiness. That's right.
0: Um, and we're wrapping up here, but you know, one other thing that people who are, uh, tend to be more happier in these studies, um, when they're asked, you know, you know, who do you compare yourself to? They really have a question mark of like, man, what does that mean? What do you mean compare myself? And so we, the, these studies have shown that, um, again, comparison is not how we grow in contentment. It is the opposite. You ask people who score on the less happy side of the spectrum, who do you compare yourself with? And they have a list of names that they that they can name. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is a, is an intentional, act of saying, okay, I'm not going to compare myself to other people. I'm going to be joyful with the family I have, with the income I have, with the resources I have and finding joy in those experiences is important.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that that we see um, that most people don't see is we're able to look kind of behind the curtains on people's finances. And so when you're comparing yourself to someone else, um, many times their finances don't represent what you're seeing. That's right. Right. I mean, if they have a big house and multiple cars and so forth, they they generally are in debt, and stress That's is right. what we see a lot of times. So, a, a great article, Matthew. I think I'm glad you found it. It's a little little different twist, uh, a little softer than uh, doing Roth conversions and <laughs> tax right. planning and so forth. But it is true, and we do spend a lot of time with folks talking about these issues. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the purchases are very temporary. Um, the experiences are a lifetime. And focusing on, on family members and so forth um, is, uh, does bring joy to people. And I'll say that we have some, some clients with um, um, less money than other clients that are happier than clients with a lot of money. So the amount of money that you have does not (laughs) by any means guarantee happiness. So it's good to have some and build it and and have a plan and so forth. But um, you also have to put it in perspective. That's right. Well, very good. Well, we're going to switch over here to the prescription of the week. That's right. And so this prescription
0: is to consider the bucket approach to saving money. And what this really means is it's not saying, okay, I have one bank account and it's got my retirement, it's got my college fund, it's got my grocery bill, it's got XYZ, it's saying, okay, well, you know, let's break that out. Let's put retirement in its own bucket and in investments. Let's do a savings account for an emergency fund. Let's do a college fund over here. And then basically what you can do is in your mind, put a check mark over each of these buckets and say, okay, hey, I'm hitting 15% for retirement. I've got three to six months of living expenses in an emergency fund. I don't have to worry about an emergency fund when my next paycheck comes in. I get to basically say, what do I want to spend my money on now? What's mm-hmm. the next priority? So having that bucket approach is a very good way um, to reduce stress, but also just to practically build wealth.
1: It also gives you um, authority and, and approval to to spend That's as right. well. So just give you an example, we had um, a, a client in recently, and they wanted to save some money for uh, for college for their grandkids and – they have um, a lot of money in a brokerage account, a couple hundred thousand dollars, and so we actually created a separate brokerage account, operates the same as the original one, and we called it the college brokerage account. And so you peel some money off, you go put it over in that account, and in your mind, you've taken some money and you, you're not going to spend that money because it's going to go to the to the grandkids. And so the other money can go be spent for anything that you want to, That's and right. you don't feel guilty for it. That's so. Right. It's a very, very powerful um, approach. We see people with um, a lot of different buckets. We like the bucket approach here. recommend it really clarifies um, and gives you some some, uh, approval for the money that's not in a specific bucket that you can go spend it. That's right. And some buckets are for, you know, we call it a life bucket, right? So for cars and vacations and weddings weddings and so forth doesn't impact retirement. So the the bucket approach is really, really, it's a cool concept, very simple, but it's very, very powerful.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: Well, very good, thanks fa- thanks for finding that article. It's good. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly if y'all have questions out there, reach out to us, more than happy to sit down with you and, and talk with you about your situation. And uh, this has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. So tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Also, check out our website, MoneyMD.net, and uh, send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a great week.